Hey, this is David Johnson back again with Mixed Up Zombies interviews. Uh, the newest one I got with Robert Corvitz. I hope I said that right. Uh, I was very tired when I did this at nine o'clock. I had not the best night's sleep, so uh, it was a little rough. But he he did a great job on talking about their game, a uh, Zom Studios game. No truce with the Furies. That game seems really rad. I just, I want to see more of it at this point. And he really painted a great picture. So much so that I kind of let him just talk about what this game's going to look like. It looks like a very fascinating story-based game. So without any further talking, let's just get straight to the interview. I'm joined with Robert Kjorvitz. (laughs) <laughs> of uh, no truce with the Furies, and I'm sorry that I've kind of butchered your last name. Uh, and your studio's of na- Fort a fortress. No, we have uh, right now changed our name into Zom. Zom. Okay, studio. Okay. So this game doesn't really. This game has no combat, right? It just. Yeah, I mean, I'd say it has. Uh, it has combat. But um, yeah, it's through dialogue. Through dialogue, but um, but it still has stats. I mean, yeah. if you do something yeah. in combat, it can fail or it can or it can uh, it can it can succeed, and you can you can make st- strategic choices in combat, and then see very unexpected things coming from from things you did outside combat. When it, you know, so in other dialogues, uh, affecting what the action sequence is going to be about. So, I mean, I'd say there are, I'd say there are about two types of combat right now. There's tactical and there's Twitch combat. And I'm pretty sure we're going to have a third type of combat in video games in the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I'm, I'm almost entirely sure that it's going to be something like story combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you've, you've probably noticed, I mean, everyone's noticed that uh, combat and story are completely divorced from each other in games, right? I mean, yeah. there's cutscene deaths, and and you know you, you've probably seen in Mass Effect, you've seen your friends die in cutscenes in combat or like get hit or uh, so. Torment, ties of Nomenera right now is uh, is trying to, uh, and I'm I'm pretty sure I'm sure they've succeeded at it, but uh, trying to add dialogues into combat into turn-based combat, so that you can talk to someone in the middle of combat. So, you know, when the fists come out, it's not the end of story. And then uh, we're a similar, similar path to that, but, but we're going inside dialogue. You can do some combat in, uh, and they're going the, um, the opposite direction where inside combat you can do some dialogue. But I, I think in the end, this is, this is probably what a lot of uh, very large studios are going to start doing too, because you, you can... I mean, you can really use all the possibilities of acting and literature in, in action scenes and, and uh, really feel the consequences of what you're doing. Violence, I think, in story combat finally becomes something you regret and that you're, um, you're uh, su- surprised by the visceral negativity of it all. I mean... Uh, you can, if if the scene is well written, it's uh, it can be pretty impactful, I think. And uh, um, the only the only thing I think that's maybe you know yeah you, because you can have a lot of tactical things in there and weapons and, and and stuff. The only thing that I think 
for me is the downside of it is the cost because it's uh, to animate everything separately every move inside the scene and especially when you start having branching animations mm-hmm. uh, I mean it's uh, it's pretty pretty gruesome so you know just for um, for honest sake there are like two or three uh, like weapon action combat sequences in no truth so only very set piece moments like in a in a film you'd have uh, uh, in a thriller you'd have like three or four action sequences so uh, production costs I, mean, I think are going to be very very hard on on these kinds of games what is this kind of setting cuz it is just a combination of kind of a lot of different feelings of you know fantasy and sci-fi <laughs> and steampunk yeah i mean uh well it's a, it's a very special kind of um, i mean first i'd have to like uh maybe begin with with the idea of settings in role playing games in general uh of which there are have been pretty much like two or three up to now future you know sci-fi fantasy some sort of of fantasy and then some sort of modern the the real world or or alternative history so you know wide widely widely uh, with a white brush that's been like the, the the three I think we have and uh, I mean in our little way we're trying to maybe come up with a four for a 3.5 version of those things so uh, no truce with the furies takes place in a world that's modern but it's also a complete fantasy so you have telephones and and cars and uh, radio operating like some kind of um, internet even uh, you have large geopolitical entities real states uh, capitals parties democratic parties uh, conservative parties we even have communists and social democrats uh, but the states and the continents and and the geography and even the history are all uh, We've all come up with that. Uh, the thousands of years of, of history the states have uh, uh, grudges against each other and, and, and the large historical processes like uh, our version of the Renaissance and modernism and everything of ancient times even have taken place there. So uh, it's taken us like 15 years uh, to come up with this uh, collection of, of names and identities and histories and cities. Uh, and uh, it's because of that reason I would not like to call it a punk. It's, uh, it has it has all kinds of punks in there, though. Uh, but because we have not only uh, three dimensions in, in 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 space in our world, we also have time, like a history part of the setting. Mm-hmm. So uh, this uh, world has had its uh, its its steampunky period and uh, and and even its bronze punky period and every kind of punk that you can imagine that history creates if you if you put a little fantasy on it but right now where the game is taking place it's taking place in the 50s and the 60s so uh I, if anything i'd call it moderno punk at the moment it's at but uh, again i wouldn't even actually prefer a punk uh, <laughs> punk name for it we uh I've, I've published a book in the same world and the literary critic. I, I was just about to ask about that. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so yeah, what does this take from Sacred and Terrible Air? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, the setting. Yeah, a literary critic called it uh, uh, 
fantastic realism. Um, so yeah, it takes that that setting. It takes place in a in another place in another time. The Sacred and Terrible Air uh, takes place in the 70s of this world, which is about eight years before the end of this world. This world ends in in the year 78, and uh, and uh, No Tools for the Furious takes place 20 years before that in a in a world capital or a disgraced world capital called Revashal. Uh, the stories are uh, very thinly connected to each other uh, in a classical fantasy literature way, uh, but they uh, share themes like uh, two, two different stories taking place in our world 20 years apart would. So the processes that uh, began or that begin in, in No Truths for the Furies uh, have evolved uh, to another place in uh, the Sacred and Terrible Air. But it's not... Um, it's 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 first first and foremost it's a, it's an advanced Dungeons and Dragons setting basically, but I've uh, we have uh, uh, done the work so that it's possible to make uh, uh, books in it, uh, movies in it, and uh, and games in it, and now we're at the game part. Yeah, definitely. So so one thing I'm by reading this description, you know, a lot of games that put story as the forefront uh they would use a inventory system like an adventure game and this has a little different than that as would you be willing to talk a little more about that the thought in a cabinet yeah i mean you know i love adventure games i mean i think adventure games have pretty much been um the genre for for very heavy literary storytelling um, that and and role playing games have um, have always um, competed and uh, and I mean uh, you know when you when there's a tendency I think of people to to also understand that they're kind of similar but they shouldn't ever like uh, come together as genres I mean uh, if 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 a, if a, if a role playing game wouldn't have any stats and no combat, then it would pretty much become uh, uh, it would become a point and click game, yeah. right? <laughs> and but but there's a lot of shared uh, shared uh, space between the two. And uh, what what adventure games or point and click games do really well is interaction with uh, uh, with the environment uh, in meaningful ways. You can just pick up uh, or you know manipulate the environment and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, we're we're doing that, but uh, but with stats. So uh, your um, you can uh, s you know sense smells or, or uh, get ideas, uh, passing a wall or, or seeing a monument or, or uh, feeling the the sea breeze on your face or uh, hearing the sounds of the city. You can think ideas at certain points on the map, but only if you have enough skill for that. So uh, it's possible to. Uh, to combine uh, the exploration part of uh, of adventure games with uh, role playing mechanics, uh, I think very very successfully, and I'm a bit surprised it hasn't been done uh, more. And I think it'll, it'll, it'll again be uh, be done a lot uh, in the, in the future. Uh, but uh, you asked about the fourth cabinet. Yeah. Yeah, that's just kind of, kind of if you if you have a if you don't have a lot of combat, right? Mm -hmm. And you're a designer in a story, so. Uh, what do you uh, 
what do you reward the player for? Because otherwise, if you if there's no reward, then especially in you know that's what I love about role playing games because you get experience and then stuff and loot and I mean everyone loves that and you can you can really spice up story with with uh, uh, with rewarding the player with something right. So uh, you have a cool conversation with someone, but you can't always uh, can't always give him. You know what? What do you what? What do you what would you reward a person with in a game like this? So Planescape Torment, the classic, uh, also had a, you know, not a lot of combat and a lot of dialogues. And there, the player was rewarded with flashbacks uh, to his uh, uh, to his past. It was an amnesia story, uh, and and also you know you can give fantastical items and experience. But um, we just basically I just started thinking, what else can I you know what. I rewarded in the real world with, you know, if you talk to someone or you find out an interesting thing or, a, uh, or have an intellectual conversation or a, or a quarrel with someone or, or just choose to be a certain person today, you know, like be an, take extreme choices. So uh, the reward for that is thoughts, right? You know, uh, you get to think things in, in, in civil life uh, in, and in a modern setting where you can't go around killing everyone because it would sound weird. <laughs> uh, and you can't really loot. We have also have looting and 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 uh, uh, scavenging the map for little items and stuff. But there are so many conversations. So thoughts are the logical kind of thing to reward the person with from these conversations. And uh, then of course the the Rex logical idea is that there should be an inventory for thoughts that you can put these thoughts into. And then that's uh, that's the one we're calling uh, the thought cabinet. And uh, basically, they uh, they uh, represent the background thoughts that your characters are having, or the long long uh, processes you're undergoing. I mean, uh, I just uh, I just wrote one uh, yesterday that's called the, the homosexual underground, where this uh, 50s-style cop is uh, wondering to himself about himself about uh, about uh, questions of. Uh, I guess uh, his own and uh, the world's sexuality, <laughs> obsessing on his own sexuality uh, because he took a kind of uh, choice in a in a in a conversation, or or another thing could be Revasolian nationhood, you know, uh, a really fascist kind of cop has been going around in Revasol and and seeing the sorry state everything is in and uh, and he's beginning to uh, see the dark figure of the state that he would uh, actually like to be a police officer in. So he's got like that in his intellect slot and, and in his uh, motoric slot, he's got like uh, uh, a certain way to walk that uh, makes him look very uh, imposing and uh, uh, perhaps even a bit uh, like a stormtrooper or something. So uh, you can uh, you can imagine like in your life, you have like a mental inventory you know, where you have a lot of projects going on, interesting stuff from Wikipedia, you know, mm-hmm. an ex-girlfriend or something. And then uh, we've done an inventory for, for those things. Uh, it's 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 also quite a lot of min-maxing there. The thoughts give you like pluses and minuses to uh, skills and, and make you better at checks in dialogues, and uh, and then you can you can use them to carve away at content in the world and stuff. Yeah. Um, so my other question was, as you said, this game takes place in a time period, but also I'm noticing this game also somewhat has some direct. Uh, re- relation to actual history and the world, correct? Uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Okay, because uh, it's it's not a it's not an alternative history. 
But it's it's what I mean. Alternative histories have this thing. They have one point of uh, change, uh, uh, usually change. Yeah, mm-hmm. one cho- point of alternation from the world. So the Nazis won, or mm-hmm. uh, uh, Native Americans uh, uh, discovered Europe, or something. Uh, but uh, I'd say we have every point is a point of, of alternation. So uh, we have a different uh, Bronze Age period, uh, a, a vastly different setup of continents, uh, um, cultures divide differently. But but there are um, what we do want to use is is a, is a great thing that that fantasy games or role playing games haven't really gotten to use, but that literature uses a lot is all of the languages of this world, like the real languages we have here. So French, uh, Finnish, uh, we, have, we can have a character talking ha- using weird curse words in Finnish and uh, and then we can use uh, beautiful French phrases, phrases for things and, and we can quote real pop bands and, and philosophers and uh, we can have all that wealth of, 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 of the culture of different nations in this game. So we have a lot of, uh, lot of uh, referencing to things uh, uh, we don't we don't really we don't really want to hide the fact that this is not a hermetic world uh, You know we hide the fact that real humans have come up with this, this world who live in ours But it's not just I mean there's a thin line between that and uh, sort of like uh, funny Easter eggs to You know Doctor Who episodes. We don't do that, but we just uh, we just let everything naturally come in uh, different languages and uh, and our idea of like I don't know what New Orleans would have been if it would have been the capital of the United States or uh, or uh, what the Paris Commune would have been if it would have gone on for two years instead of the two months it went on. And uh, different little what-if scenarios from history are just all thrown in there in a, in a kind of um, in a kind of dreamlike, dreamlike logic to them. Yeah, definitely. Um... My other question was, so, and I wasn't 100% sure, does this have a basic starting character, or are you able to pick from multiple characters, and then... So, yeah, from, in No Truth with the Furies, which is, um, uh, take it as a, as a very, very fat, uh, two-hour, very highly produced pilot episode to a cop series, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's um, game time and play time on this game is probably it's, I would like people to spend three or four days with it, with this game like uh, maybe even five and, and then I would like them to play it over because it's not such a huge time so you can restart and see all the wildly different outcomes of it but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's shorter than uh, uh, the usual kind of uh, two or three weeks that, that uh, very large role playing games take uh, and in this game, yeah, in No Truth with the Furies, you're always going to be one uh, specific character, but you're going to be very different variations of this character, and it's uh, it's really part of the uh, part of the humor or, or part of the strange logic of the story that you can craft this one character in a in very wildly different uh, uh, avenues of. Uh, uh, evolution in, in the course of just three or four days in this character's life. Uh, but the system we're building, we're calling it metric. Uh, metric can be can be used for uh, rolling, uh, you know, any kind of character, any age, or just uh, uh, it just really goes into 
base psychological and and then physical components of a, of a character in a in a in a in a book so uh, uh, in the future yeah we plan to have uh, the player make uh, in our games uh, different kind of cops uh, but uh, in Otros with the theories here this one enigmatic uh, disco mother <laughs> I guess mm. of course this is uh, I'm, I'm trying to you know not go into spoilers here so yeah uh, that was the other thing is I didn't want uh, some of the story you don't really want to get into the exact uh, that brings uh, into this role playing does this game have anything resembling even if it's small a failure state or have you found a different way around that yeah, there are many failure states. Um, I, I I can't completely vouch for them because we yeah. haven't actually we haven't actually uh, gotten around to producing one yet because uh, you know failure state uh, uh, paintings or failure state voiceover or failure state writing. I think I, I suspect uh, video game designers do that in the late stretch of development. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, we plan to have a lot of them. I, I really love non-standard game overs. I really love the non-standard yeah. game where you're like, yeah, I'm satisfied with this. This gives me a good a good chance to go up, back and roll a slightly different character and take another route. You know, this this was a cool story for me. Uh, I don't know. You've have you played the Planescape Torment? I I know about it, but I have not sadly. Uh... So so I'm I'm going to I'm going to wildly spoil you. No, I'm going that's to try. Okay, to I know the main gist of it. Yeah. I, so there's a point in there uh, where you can become uh, the king or the, the benevolent ruler of a, of a benevolent undead society underneath the city, uh, picking up the mantle of uh, the silent king. And the game just ends there. And uh, it's a really nice, melancholy, kind of dark ending for it. And uh, I think I've even once uh, ended the game uh, there. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a cool... Uh, example for me of a non-standard game over so this no truth with the furies has uh, quite a few of them and it has quite a few of uh, uh, of so-called failure states or or endings that are i don't know negative i guess uh, mm -hmm. that we think would still be uh, uh, satisfactory for the for the player to experience and and also dependent mm -hmm. on their choices because this is like a, it's it's in many ways a game about failure and uh, and trying to crawl back from it and sometimes you don't, you know, uh, sometimes you just, uh, you know, drink yourself to the bottom. And there's ample opportunity to play that kind of character in No Truth with the Furies. And it can end like that, too. So you can have like a really, uh, you can have as downbeat of an ending as you want. But also it's impossible to, uh, to drag yourself out of the swamp, so to say. Yeah, and uh, sorry if I'm mainly using adventure games to try to get a hold of what this game is, because I know you're basically going through the middle, but, you know, something like, oh, a Telltale game, where there are decisions, but it's still somewhat the same path. That sounds like there's more of a direct decision, uh, or direct cause, I don't know. No, it's the the moment of decision is very very hidden in a way, or it's very fine because there are so many decisions. Like, uh, and on every dialogue you're making like five or ten that in a way will be tracked down the line, and and we also have an open world game which no one now, nowadays wants to advertise about their game for some reason because people are so tired of them. But but yeah, you can go anywhere you wanna in any kind of order in this world. So I, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, I was just, I guess I used the wrong word, where basically this seems more, like you said, open-ended, where a t a Telltale game, you do make decisions along the way, but you're pretty much on the a certain path on some level. Yeah. And this, this is completely open-ended. We're trying to keep it as open-ended as possible, but yeah, there are some sanity checks that we have to do for ourselves. Yeah. So this game doesn't take six years to make, I completely understand. Um, trying to think of what else. Yeah, this it's it's really fascinating. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, just other than basically, you've just obviously said uh, your inspirations from Planescape. Uh, could you tell a, a little more about your inspirations from Kentucky Road Zero? Well, Kentucky Road Zero is this kind of thought experiment that mm. what if we took out all the puzzles from uh, adventure games and then instead of them had really long um, dialogues. I think that's uh, uh, that, that's the really the gist of their great, really, really great idea. Um, so uh, I think it, I think Kentucky Road Zero just showed in many ways that it's possible to make a game that you can bend around genre rules. And, and, and that you can also just be uh, uh, very uh, bold with, uh, with, with art. And, and I think it's just a really, really, really nice, uh, nice uh, symbol for what uh, games can be and where they can go. And also, I think the main thing where, well, where, we are, uh, uh, where we're very inspired about with them is, is the art direction they've taken and, and the visual side of telling the story and uh, how it all supports the... Uh, the literature side of it. So, uh, yeah, it's. I think it, I think there's a very straight straight line between Planescape Torment and, and Kentucky Road Zero, and they're both literature games. Like uh, one is uh, one is a classic, and then one is a is a very modern one. So uh, we feel uh, we feel kinship to uh, to both of them really. But personally, I'm a, I'm a Planescape Torment fan, and uh, uh, the art department is the Kentucky Road Zero fans. Although I have a lot of respect for Kentucky Road Zero. Yeah, and speaking of that, you've you've from what I've seen, I haven't seen a lot of a ton of moving uh, video of this, but you have a very distinct art style for this game. That combine. Could you talk a little more about that? Yeah. So uh, I'm, 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 I'm absolutely not gonna be the first video game developer to shit talk other, about other people's video games, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, have you played Dishonored 2 lately? I know. I have. I know. There's some problems with that game. I have not played that much of it, but yeah. I mean, it's a it's a, it's a cool game and everything, but uh, you know, especially in um, in um, in development, they're all about uh, bringing digital art or oil painting into uh, into the video game genre. So uh, the words we both uh, use the word moving oil oil painting. Uh, and yeah, I just played Dishonored 2, and it's a 3D game. I mean, it looks really, really nice, and it has incredible art direction in it. Uh, but I, I think we were a bit bolder even with, with the paint shaders and when throwing, throwing paint around the, our game. Uh, the trick that's in these kind of games, uh, pre-rendered background kind of games, like Torment or like We Are or, or even Baldur's Gate, is that you can pre-render this background because it's... I, it actually technically isn't pre-rendered in a way because a lot of light is interacting with it, but you can paint this kind of uh, one almost 
before the lights come in, static background. So you can put actual brush strokes in there. You can bring all the juicy of, uh, of uh, contemporary and, uh, and historic oil painting in there. So uh, yeah, we, uh, we're basically a bunch of, uh, we have writers and we have artists in this studio and, uh, and of course programmers. Uh, and the, the personal quest of the artists is to bring the brush stroke into the world. So not to hide the fact that it's been done with digital paintings, but just to bring out the, the texture of, of the brush. And it really goes well with this uh, city of Revashal, which is a, a very lush kind of uh, uh, oil painting like moving uh, environment. And it just, I mean, it's just also effective. It's just very yummy to see uh, brush strokes in there. So I would have liked to see more brush strokes in this art too, is basically mm -hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's hard to get them on, on the characters when they're moving. It, you can get them into the world, even there, you know, it's it's very hard to find a very natural kind of place. But I think I think we've done it, and I think we've got quite a lot on the characters uh, too. But yeah, that's um, basically contemporary oil painters and 19th century oil painters who are. Yeah. Um, my other question was: Is this game so has a lot of things that you haven't seen a lot? Are you guys using a engine that you've messed with, or are you making your own? No, no, we're, uh, this is Unity. That's what but, I was going to ask. Uh, so yeah, was but, that a lot of work to get it to be where you want? or? Uh... Oh, oh, my. Oh, my. It's, I mean, Unity is a, it's a, it's a good engine. You can do a lot of things with it. And, but games that are produced in Unity don't really don't have anything, to, um, anything in common with each yeah. other. So, so there's no go-to button on Unity like, 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 I think, you know, Unreal Engine or something. You can't just... Um, you know, turn out, up your you know, textures and put on like uh, subsurface scattering and just you know go around with it like uh, like pouring ketchup on, on fries. So there's no there's no go-to pretty effect uh, in Unity or, or, or almost anything. It's super good at at doing. It's uh, and so we've had to really 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 modify it in a lot of ways. Um, the thing we we wanted to go the whole way with, and, and that we've, we've gone the whole way with too, and that uh, I think you can already see in our trailers and, um, and screenshots, is uh, uh, we've put dynamic lighting and shadows into a pre-rendered background, which seems like, you know, awesome graphics talk for 2003. <laughs> dynamic shadows. But you haven't really, I haven't before seen that in, in isometric or, or pre-rendered graphics like this. It looks really, really beautiful. You can have like, the characters are moving around there like little dollhouse oil painted world and they're casting shadows, especially when they pick up flashlights. We have, uh, uh, we have, we have really pretty stuff to show when we finally get the flashlight tech going on. Because they, they start to, uh, every 3D object in this world starts to cast a, a shadow on this 2D background, basically, so it really becomes like a very fine artifact of, of shadows and 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 paint. And to do all that was uh, was a real big challenge in uh, in Unity. And um, uh, then we threw some menus on top of it, and uh, that's it. I mean, it's uh, I'd say we're we've we've we modified Unity so much that we've given it the, we we think we will someday give it a, a name for the engine modification sure. Sure. Then. Uh, so uh, short answer enough change to warrant a name yeah enough to have a somewhat separation <laughs> yeah. um 
my other question was uh, just on characters. I'm guessing there's some kind of party in that, and uh, if you could talk about party system or anything like that, if there is one. Sorry if there isn't. I'll cut this out if there isn't. Yeah, I mean, uh, you go around with your, um, well, story spoiler, but um, with your reluctant partner, basically, in this world. And uh, uh, it's a stretch goal for us if we're going to have a third character in there. Mm. Uh, or, or if, if, if you're gonna, but, but you can uh, decide not to have this one person with you. And that's very, very important for the, for the story. And it's, it's a whole lot of hassle to program every dialogue uh, to go two ways. Because, uh, uh, but, but we want this kind of freedom where you, you, you can go around at it alone, like this lone wolf. Or, or with this uh, uh, this partner for the, from another station, basically. Um, so yeah, it it's pretty much works like uh, in Planescape Torment or, or Baldur's Gate or whatever. So your uh, your party members interject into the dialogue, but we uh, we really, we've really woven them very deep into the conversation, so you can use them as sounding boards for your ideas. And and uh, and uh, the I think our you know. Secondary character is, is is probably the most involved uh, RPG companion you've I've ever seen in a in this type of game. He really interjects into everything, and you you can have like long uh, uh, quarrels with him, and a very very special relationship that uh, really affects the outcome of 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 the whole game. Uh, but a large four member party, no truce for the furies, uh, does not have. Well, I mean that that sounds like the be- uh, best thing because a lot of times, like in a Bioware game, it's like, well, it's kind of like you have to read a guide to get the most story out of these characters because you can only have two. So you're like, okay, well, it makes sense that Liara would want to go to her mother's huh? mission and stuff like that. So if we com- combine them, then we'll probably get more exposition. But certain things, it's just like, well, I, w- I would have no idea of knowing that that person would have something important to say in that situation. So picking one probably saves you a lot of time in writing. And two, it also uh, makes sure you get the most out of said character, I would assume. Yeah, we have a, like, a, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a police procedural, so it's, a, it's like a cop show. So it makes a lot of sense to have one dude and another dude, like mm. uh, like a partner, uh, in their so lethal weapon style, uh, but but you can also I mean I can easily understand how we, how we could do it with a squad like four people. Sure. sure. But I mean you know because it is very story based. I mean I think I would I'm this, I'm designing on the fly here, but I think I would m- maybe even maybe even limit the squad size to three, especially for story combat sequences. Can you imagine? I mean. I'm just talking about the future in, in yeah. just to be short to our customers here. No Truth for the Furies only has one uh, companion and maybe another one. So, uh, but but you when you get when we down the line when we get into like large combats, I think yeah to have the variation in there, mm. it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it goes pretty crazy if there's four. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's that's a, that's a it's it's a valid point. Uh, uh, what character to bring into what place and and who not to? But it can be used. We use we use the fact whether you whether you're going at it alone, whether you've told uh, Lieutenant Kitsuragi to, uh, you know, let's call it a day. Let's see. Let's meet up tomorrow eight o'clock at the Whirling in Rags, and then you go and talk to someone. They might act in a different way. 
so even the fact that he's not there becomes uh, a thing we need to program and use. You can uh, solve certain uh, moments. You can do, you know, bad stuff you wouldn't uh, do if uh, there's a lieutenant from another station next to you or something. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, if you really, really want to make a very realistic uh, role-playing game story, you need to uh, limit the scope uh, and also the party size, I think. Well, I also really like how you do it where let's meet up tomorrow where so many games are basically go to your holding cell or your home, which is where you won't be doing anything until <laughs> I activate you because it just it is a severe disconnect with some of those games like Fallout and such a you know yeah and yeah man that's that's the the coolest moment I've had playing my own game this far uh can I can I can I go for it yeah yeah this I had um, it was about a year ago I think seven months ago so I had spent two months writing this um, this bunch of characters so these uh, kids who we call the proto ravers who are beginning to uh, uh, discover electronic music and also who do a lot of drugs out on the ice somewhere in a tent. So uh, you go there and there's a girl out on the ice using a contact microphone to record the sounds that are coming from within the, the ice, uh, experimenting with, with different electronic musical things. So you're a cop and you have your, your partner in there and uh, and you can just you know like cops do maybe a bit aggressively or maybe in a friendly manner start to uh, uh, interview these these kids and there are four of them three in the tent one on the ice so there's a there's, those were pretty much the first really serious dialogues I wrote for this game and they became so sprawling like absolutely maddeningly huge artistry the program that I use that we use for writing our our uh, dialogues I mean I have to have a Core i7 overclocked just to see all the nodes at once. It's it's just it just really became became insane because I saw the possibilities of like I'm a novelist so uh, that I've always thought that are possible in this kind of games that really just are possible. You just have to program them all. So I just did this entire collection of these characters and and your friend Kim, you know, Lieutenant Kitsuragi, you know, he's there all the time. And then I saw a friend of mine play through it. And there's one way through the character with one of the girls on the ice who's recording, recording the sounds from within, within the ice, where you tell the girl, uh, you know, why, doesn't, why don't you have a hat on? And she tells you, tells you to, you know, oh, fuck the hat. And then you can use authority on the girl to try and tell her to, uh, you know, uh, respect the, uh, the law a bit more. You know, you don't just go around saying, fuck the hat to me. And when you fail it, you, be, you throw this insane temper tantrums, completely, complete meltdown. Uh, you get bonuses towards the thought meltdown cup, where you just can't believe that you told it to fuck the hat and you just you start crying and your own personal issues are coming up and this absolutely absurd situation is running out of control and your your partner is just looking, looking by and thinking, oh God, what is going on here, right? So... You end this conversation with this girl because this girl obviously says, man, you got some issues, you know, you, if you ever want to work them out, you know, you should come back to me, man. I think this isn't about the hat, you know, <laughs> and then you, your character goes away so you, you can have a conversation with your partner and your partner's going to be like, you know, let's maybe call it a day, see each other, you know, nine o'clock at the whirling or, you know, and you're, you're like, yeah, I want to go, go at it alone, uh, go at it alone for today. And you, you press that, you take that option and then it just walks away. And then you go back to the girl and then you start talking to the girl 
and you can have a completely different conversation because you're not a cop anymore. You're just this grown up man who's broke down on the ice somewhere talking to a teenager. And then I saw the entire, entire huge conversation go by without one bark coming up uh, between you and this girl. And I knew that if you would have said to your partner, no, no, let's go at it together. And you would have gone back. The, you would have gotten to do the whole conversation completely differently because Kitsuragi would have been there. So this idea, this feeling that I finally had in that scene, that there really is a 12 hours or 18 hours until I'm meeting up with my partner in Whirling in Rags at nine o'clock in the morning. This is a real period of time now. It's not just some kind of clock ticking away somewhere, you know, rest and, and 18 hours go by or six hours go by, that, that there's actual time in the world. So. Uh, I was really, really proud of that. I mean, uh, I, f I thought, it, thought it had a really special kind of realistic uh, feeling to it. Uh, just like, like you always imagine when, uh, when you're telling your friends to go to Copper Coronet in Baldur's Gate 2, that, ah, oh, God, I, I wish this would be more realistic. But it took, as I said, it took two months for me to, to program just uh, alone. And uh, I, think I think I really made a dent in our budget with that one. So uh, yeah, we have to be really... Um, careful with moments like that but we have to have them in there uh, the realism of time passing that you can get from like you know go there and and this person just you know references this thing tomorrow morning when you when you meet up with them it's it's very maddening to program but uh, no pain no gain you know definitely um really i only have one other question uh and just just trying to get an understanding of this is a police procedural. What what does that kind of look like? Uh, yeah, it, it uses the idea of a cop show. So we have this world, um, this huge 15 years in construction, uh, modern fantasy world that we've we've built. Uh, it also has a name, but I I don't want to I want I don't want to divulge the name of the world at this point. Uh, so there are all, there's all kinds of things that you can do with this world. We can have a bank robbery uh, thriller, or we can have an apocalyptic uh, apocalyptic thriller, or a war movie, or a, or a love story, or anything. Uh, so one logical thing that I thought would be very cool to do with it in this world would be a, a cop show, like uh, The Shield or The Wire, which are also are you know really big, uh, uh, really big uh, inspirations on on no tools for the theories, uh, because. I mean, it boggles my mind that there haven't been good uh, police uh, role-playing games before because, in a way, all role-playing games are police role-playing games. Uh, it's a cop's business to mind other people's business. Mm -hmm. So if you look around in, in like, uh, uh, Mass Effect, you're basically a cop. This um, Captain Shepard person who's a, who, who did they call him? What was that cool name they were? Spectre or something. Uh, yeah, he's a Spectre of N7. But he's not a specter, really. He's a cop. Isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just the moniker for cop. So uh, in a lot of games, like uh, the Inquisitor, you're a cop in in Dragon Age Inquisition, and uh, and and it's 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 a very logical kind of uh, di dynamic for a role playing game because you can actually go around and ask people questions, which is the only you know the only feasible structure of writing dialogue trees. So there are other ways too, but it's it's the simplest and and uh, and a, re a really good one. So it uh, it kind of gives a really good inward reason to go around and ask people uh, questions all the time. So uh, the dialogues that we uh, the dialogue trees that we design 
have a really good inward uh, reason. And you can also have a have a bit of violence in there. Uh, but I think uh, I think we stretched the cop show limit as far as we we stretched the uh, the fantasy world building limit or 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 the expectation of role playing games limit. So uh, uh, it's really just an excuse in a way. Because I mean, in Mass Effect, being a, it's not a story about being a specter. You know, it's it's a story about this world, and being a specter is a good way to interact with this world, a good reason for that character. So that's the way we're using the police procedural. But at the same time, I I am a diligent writer, and and we we do love police procedurals, and there are I mean billions of people out there who are, who are fans of police procedurals. So we have really, really, really detailed and serious. Uh, uh, examinations of, of of crime scenes and and forensics and and especially I've spent the last month writing a uh, a coronary scene uh, where you inspect the person's body and you can find things in there and and also get all all kinds of psychological uh, reactions to uh, standing face to face with a with a very heavily decomposed uh, human body. Uh, so we. I tried to be very realistic about the cop show part two, but at the same time, it's uh, it's a it's a it's a good uh, a point of access to this world, uh, a good authority for the character to have, uh, and uh, and also a very good running gag because, uh, I mean, being a police officer gives you certain responsibilities and <laughs> uh, and, and certain powers, which which are very fun for a writer to uh, play around with, basically. Definitely. As for example, I'm currently watching Twin Peaks for the first time, and while Cooper is a CIA agent, it's not really the main thing. He's mainly just someone trying to figure out what is going on and interacting with this area that he's never been before and stuff like that. Uh, my only other thing is so does it because like the only point of for police procedural i have the only point of like reference is la noir which is a very specific thing that i don't know if that's what you're looking for yeah definitely not i mean uh, maybe i mean um, i'm gonna put on my candid hat <laughs> so uh yeah, I like L.A. Noir, and uh, there were there were things wrong with that game. Uh, the the open world part was uh, was a was a very was a bit of a barren exercise, let's say. Uh, but I think that game is widely considered a, a financial uh, financial uh, failure, mm -hmm. and, and and I think that's cast a bit of a shadow on on police procedurals in in video games on in general. Uh, so. Uh, uh, we're uh, very carefully veering away from all those noir uh, uh, noir conceptions in in video games. Also, personally, I would find playing just a police role-playing game boring. I mean, mm -hmm. that's that just sounds something boring to me. So, what I what would I have? Would I have like a forensic skill and uh, and uh, you know? So uh, so we have a very very large fantasy element in our in our game. The world isn't our world. So you're you're a police officer in a in an entirely another world. And I also I also don't like uh, noir stereotypes. I mean even I don't even like the noir atmosphere very much, like uh, the 40s atmosphere or the 30s atmosphere or something. So we're 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 much more colorful uh, than that. So yeah, there's a 
there's a certain shadow cast by by LA Noir, I think, on on these types of games that we don't really like to think about a lot. And uh, uh, I, I I think I see a much uh, sunnier future for uh, uh, games and then the police uh, yeah. uh, yeah. genre. Because really, the only other thing I can think of is the Police Quest series, <laughs> and that was uh, a little while farther ago. I don't uh, uh, haven't played it yet. Oh. You have to be careful with it. Yeah, it's it's something you have to be careful with. I think. Uh, I mean, if you look at there's so many police procedural TV shows out there too. So some do it really boringly, and then some are really bad. It's it's almost pretty much the most uh, common or or most fruitful genre for just storytelling. So detective fiction too. We also have a very the stories. It's more like a detective story than a cop story, I'd say. Uh, uh, but we have a very, bit of a realistic, uh, realistic body cup, body cup moment going on there too. So, so it's it's something writers have to be careful with, so the stories don't turn boring. So you have different, uh, you know, uh, surprising elements in there. Twin Peaks is a good example of a of a basically it's it's also a detective or a cop story or X Files actually. Uh, so we have uh, we have I wanna. In world, we call these things supranatural <laughs> or extra physical events, but but uh, there is a supranatural uh, uh, element to the world and 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 to the mystery around you. So, uh, uh, which I think, uh, uh, as in Twin Peaks, really mystery and otherworldliness really re- really uh, spices up the uh, the cop uh, genre. But the cop genre itself has really good humor. That's that's a good thing in in in, in body cop movies and uh, uh, and the wire and the shield are sociologically very adequate. They paint a very cool, adequate uh, picture of the world. So you have to be very realistic. You have a ve- have to have a very realistic world building if you want to go attempt something like the wire in a in a in a fantasy world. So uh, uh, yeah, it's just my thoughts on the uh, police procedural genre. Yeah, definitely. So um, that's really all I have. If you have anything else you want to talk about, uh, other than the game is probably going to be coming out this year still, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're uh, that's that's the that's the quest. That's yeah. the mission. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm not going to delay it on mixed up zombies. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't, don't. I would rather you not either. So, but uh, yeah, and it looks like it's going to be. Something like it—it's it, so different. I don't even know what how it's gonna. I hope it does great because it just seems so different than most things. Well, taking up our ideas, but and, it's gonna—it's gonna—it's gonna feel very natural. It's a very natural, natural, natural game. Uh, the more we get to show it to people, I think the more more logical this whole thing is gonna gonna sound to you guys. Definitely. So, uh, yeah, uh, the game is the No Truce with the Furies, and it'll be coming out fairly soon at some point. End of the year. End of the year, yeah. Uh, thank you very much. Thank you, man.